תשובות זה דף י' עמוד ב' ו-י' א' עמוד א', אג'נדה ספקטרום, איילונית דוכרנית. The Gemara has a, a very interesting discussion at the bottom of Daf Yud Amud Bet around the origins of the word Almana, the etymology of the word Almana, which means widow. Omar Rav Chana Bagdata Almana Al Shem Mana. The reason that she's called an Almana, a widow, is because her Ketuva is a Mana. Uh, her Ketuva is 100 Zuz instead of the 200 Zuz that an unmarried woman, a previously unmarried woman, would get. Nigmora then asks the, the obvious question, uh, at the end of the day, this fact that a woman, that an Amana gets 200, gets 100, not 200, is something that the Chachamim instituted. We learned that a little bit earlier, uh, where Shmuel said in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar on the top of Yudah Mud Aleph, Chachamim tiknu lahem livnot Yisrael libtulim libtulam atayim v'lamana amana. It's the Chachamim who instituted A hundred for an almana and two hundred for a betula, and if it's the Chachamim who introduced that, why would the Torah use the word almana long before there was the concept of a mana of only one hundred being paid to a widow? Uh, and the Gemara says it's because that's the future. That's what's what's going to 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 happen in the future. The Torah calls it an almana because the Torah knows in its wisdom that ultimately when the Chachomim Institute Ksuva, which is something inherent, it's interesting because it gives us a bit of an insight into the way the Chachomim legislate, that the Torah sees that clearly the Chachomim will institute some form of Ksuva even if it isn't Uh, mentioned in the Torah, we've discussed previously whether Ketuvah is in the Torah or it isn't in the Torah, but even according to those who say that it's not a, a Torah law, it's clear in the Torah's eyes that the Chachamim will institute a Ketuvah, will institute an amount of money in the event that a woman gets divorced or, or the man dies, and so as to give her some form of security when she comes under the Chubah and to provide, to provide a mechanism that makes, it introduces a cost to divorce so that marriages are not just matters of, of convenience. That's clearly something that's going to be done. The Torah doesn't have to tell you to do that. The Chachomim are clearly going to do so. And the Torah, so to say, also foresees that there's going to be a different ratio of Ketuvah for a woman who's been previously married compared to one who is, who is unmarried. And therefore, at that time already, the Torah is willing to call her an Almana. And the Gemara gives an example of that. When Bereshit, we tell the Shem Anarash Lishi Chidekil, who Aulech Kidmat Ashur, that the name of the third river is Chidekil, which goes past the east of, uh, of Ashur. But Tana Rav Yosef Ashur Zu Selika, and Rav Yosef says Ashur is the city of Selika. Umi Havai, the, the city of Selika clearly wasn't built at that time. Ela da Atida, Hachanami da Atida. So there are certain things, it's not just a question of the Torah foreseeing what's going to happen in the future. It's the Torah indicating that there's an inevitability. They, because of the geographic location of that particular place called Salika, uh, it's, it's clear that the, that area in, in Babylon, today probably in, in Iraq, that that problem, that that area is going to be populated, that there will be a, a city there at that time. And so the Torah is willing to refer to the future because that future is, so to say, inevitable. The Gemara then goes on to an interesting discussion about the 
meaning of different words and, and to show that there is meaning in the way words are constructed. Even Aramaic, Aramaic words have reasons and, and one can get some idea of, of life and a worldview from the way they created the various words in Aramaic that were used even in day-to-day conversation. And I mentioned the Moses at the top of Yud Aleph, Abad Aleph, and this is the important part for our consideration. Af'anu nomar ailonit. Even that word ailonit, um, ailonit is a woman who can't have children. Now we know that there's another word also for a woman who can't have children, that's an akara. So there are two different words, an akara and an ailonit. A barren woman and an ailonit. Where does the word ailonit come from? Dukhranit, deloyalda. She is a dukhranit. Dukhranit means she has a masculine element to her. Rashi says that lashon ailonit shekreu chachamim leisha leled. A woman that is not able to to give birth is called a dukhranit. Lashon ail tamim demetargimim and dachar shalim. In Vayikra, where the Torah talks about a, a, a ram that is perfect, it talks about a dachar shalim. And that arehi ka'ayl she'eno yoled. So this woman is like an ayl, an ayl on it. He's like an ayl. Uh, an ayl is, a, an ayl is a, a ram, a male deer uh, that, that can't give birth. So why are we using the term male, duchranit, for an ayl on it? So clearly there are two different types of women who can't, give birth in terms of halakha. The one is a woman who has no physiological indication that she can't, uh, that she can't give birth, and, and one is a woman who does have some form of physiological indication. So a woman who in every way seems a normal, healthy woman, but she just is unable to have children, like the, the mothers of our nation, Sarah and, and, and Rivka and Rachel, all had difficulty giving birth. They were akarot until Hashem was poter et rachman, until Hashem opened their wombs, there was some kind of obstacle that made it impossible for them to become pregnant, but there was nothing physically evident in them that was the cause of this barrenness. In the case of an ailonit, there is dukhranit, there is a masculinism to her, so that the Gemara is acknowledging that there are women who are have a masculine, a greater, perhaps masculine hormonal um, balance uh, that is the cause of them not being able to give birth and calls them ailonit. It's interesting because an ayal is quite an effeminate animal. Uh, a deer is, a, is, a, is somewhat of an effeminate animal if you compare them to the, uh, to, to the, the wolves and the foxes of the world and, and even the lions. The, the deer are, are dainty and agile and beautiful and attractive, and yet among them there is the male ayal, and there is the female, the rachel, the, the, and, and, and here she's called the ayal, the ailonit, because although she looks feminine, there is a masculine element, although she is feminine, she is female, there is a masculine element to her, and we see Chazal acknowledging that. Um, so as we mentioned in Yevamot, there's a clear acknowledgement of a spectrum of, of gender, uh, we had the tumtum and the adrogynous, but those were examples of individuals who's, who were physically somewhere on the spectrum between male and female. Either they had no clear indication as to what they were externally, or they had indications both of male and female organs. So there was a physical manifestation of them being somewhere on the spectrum, not clearly male or female. And I mentioned at that time that we've got to understand that Chazal acknowledged that there is a spectrum. 
how we deal with it halachically is very different from the way society is dealing with it today. But we've got to acknowledge the reality of the spectrum. And here that idea is taken further. There can be a woman who is, is t- totally feminine but can't have children. That's just a problem in pregnancy, uh, a fertility problem. But here there's something else, which is a woman who is an islandit, who has a dukhranit, she has a masculinity to her, which is, causes her to be unable to have, to have children, to have babies. Once again, Chazal recognizing that there is such a case. However, one thing is clear, these cases were incredibly unusual um, and they're treated as as exceptions. And what's disturbing about our society is how normal so much of this has become, whether we're dealing with homosexuality or transgender and all the other forms of sexual convergence and confusion that takes place today. It's become so prevalent. Uh, And some people want to say it's just because it's... uh, open today because there's no shame attached to it, but it was always there. Um, most people don't really accept that and, and believe that it's become much more prevalent than before. Rebellia Lopin used to say, and I heard that from him many times, it's also recorded in Lev Eliyahu in the first Chalik on, on page 232. He talks about the fact that just as physical disease is infectious, and we've just come out of a pandemic where we see the power of infection of an otherwise invisible virus, and, and what damage it can cause. Uh, the rebellion talks about the fact, based on Rambam in Hilchot Dayot, that there can also be a moral plague. There can also be a, a plague of, of moral deviance, which is infectious. It actually travels. It, if people become infected, the norm becomes accepted and, and the norms change. Uh, and people's behaviors change as a, as a result of that. And he gave many, many examples of, of where that is the case. And we've got to understand infectiousness, not only infection, not only as that in the area of physical viruses and bacteria, but also in the area of moral viruses and, and, and what that means. And so uh, as we look at the, at the world, yes, there is a sexual spectrum. Yes, there are people at different places on that spectrum, and that can create tragic circumstances from an inability to have children to major questions of sexual identity. How we deal with that, however, is never to never to change the norm, to make sure that it remains exceptional so that it doesn't become, so to say, a plague, just something that wipes through society and moves and shifts what society accepts and doesn't accept. And so each person... When we take a stand, not only on gender issues, but on any moral issue, we're taking a stand not only to protect ourselves from overstepping the ethical or the moral boundary or the halachic boundary, we're taking a stand not only to protect our community, but every time we take a stand to protect a moral or an ethical line, we're taking a stand for the future of society and of humankind. <laughs>